everyone. Welcome to TED Talks. Today we have all NP types. And so, Paul, would you like to tell us a bit about you? Uh, sure. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Paul, uh, INFP, uh, nine wing one, although I'm always open to, you know, alternate <laughs> interpretations. That's fine. Just be, be nice, be polite. Uh, yeah, uh, I live in Vancouver, BC, and Canada. <laughs> And yeah, I, I don't know. Just excited to be here. Excited to have you. Thank you. And Sarah? Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm an ENFP six wing five and I live in Indiana. And I'm excited to be here too. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> and Boris? Uh, uh, my name is Boris. I'm from Toronto. I'm in a local MBTI group with an N focus. Anybody's welcome. Um, well, I was classified as a seven wing eight. I like to put out though that uh, I believe I'm a 728 on the tri-type. Um, I'm not sure if I'm excited to be here, am I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am, absolutely. Uh, I love Joyce. I've been on, on some of her panels and I just like also the social environment that goes around being in her realm of influence, so to speak. Look at Boris and him classically pushing everyone's buttons, especially my buttons. <laughs> and Spacey? I'm Spacey, I'm an INTP, nine wing one. Uh, if you saw how empty my head was, you might not think I was a five. Uh, <laughs> That's between have, you and your counselor. I have a channel where I upload typing sessions and, uh, you know, I make a video about typology maybe once every two years. And, uh, I'm an electrician. I work in factory maintenance and I live in Michigan now. Yay to consistency. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice to have you, Spacey. So I'll have his channel linked below. And so, hi, my name is Joyce. I'm a certified MBTI practitioner and I facilitate the instrument and organizations. I also type and coach people. All right, so NPs, I am wondering what traits do you think you all share together? I can start off. So. I think with NE higher up types, they really like bouncing ideas off of each other. There's this mental quickness, this ideation that they all share in common, and they're able to connect ideas from disparate fields. So they can take something from a seemingly unrelated field and apply it to another field. And so they're known for transcontextual thinking or cross-contextual thinking and being able to cross-reference ideas in a way that other people may have not considered. So Oftentimes you'll hear with NPs, people will tell them, oh, I've never thought about it that way. And so they offer a really quirky and interesting and amazing takes on things. So anyone else want to chime in? This would be sloppy seconds. You already got the NE out there. The rest is, <laughs> well, we do have SI, I wanted to mention, but I, I don't think it's a love child of ours, at least speaking myself. It's a necessary, e <laughs> well... Not evil. It's a it's a kid in the family that nobody admits to, <laughs> and tries to keep in the closet, but knows that it's part of the family. Um, being the counterplay of SI, right? Um, well, I, I think being being perceived also, I find there's sort of a chillness when when I meet people in a work context. That's sort of my home base. Where okay, these guys are going to be chill at least. They're not going to. First thing they'll do is look at the clock and say, okay, so are we done yet? Are we done yet? We, we like to, my hunch is we perform with sort of a delayed performance curve. 
we, we, we are slow to start. We normally meet the deadline, but man, those last 10, 15 minutes <laughs> tend to be quite crammed and full of brainstorming, but to yeah, the floor. Definitely mm. nothing linear about the work style and, um, oh, the poor NTJs I work with. Um, <laughs> like, I swear I'm working on it. I'm sorry, I don't have anything to show you yet, but it's going on in my head. And that's, that's the way the work looks a lot of times, is just thinking about it, letting it gel, and then when it does come together, it's a massive burst of energy at the end. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I guess you mentioned checking on the clock a lot. I suppose we don't really keep track of time or resources particularly well, so we have to keep reorienting ourselves and making sure that everything is still where it should be or that we do still have enough time blah 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 i was thinking before though that uh i don't know how it is for the ne doms but with silo in the stack we may have all kinds of particular sensory issues that irritate us or something like the way stuff feels on your skin or like the way certain things sound like i know i really hate like high-pitched noises if like the printer in the office is broken and it's making like this dog whistle noise all day but it makes you salivate yeah. and whack your tail <laughs> that one don't have a tail they took it off yeah and i guess that's why nps sometimes wonder if they have adhd even if they don't have it because being sensitive to noises is also a trait of ADHD. And so they overlap in some ways, even if the NP doesn't have ADHD, they can look like they do because they come up with a lot of ideas that can seem random to other people, but aren't actually random. Like there's a connection. It's just that people don't jump from A to Z as quickly. So people don't know where it comes from. But um, I, I hear feedback a little bit actually. So I'm wondering if maybe we can do a, a mute system. Um, and when we talk, we can just unmute. I was just trying to mute, actually. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it might uh, take something away from the flow, but I guess it also makes you think before you jump into a conversation. So I don't interrupt people, right? That's certainly an NP trait is sometimes interrupting a bit too frequently. And like it's definitely a practiced skill for me to try and let the other person finish before I jump in. Yeah, I I get that. My wife is an ESTJ and it irritates her to no end when she's and now I honestly assume she's done because yeah, she's, you know, bringing out a thought and then I'll like suddenly like jump ahead and try to you know, get to where where I think she's going. <laughs> yeah. And then I often end up talking to her or talking over her. And uh, she lets she lets me know unequivocally as TE doms are <laughs> likely to do. I, I find that interesting because mm -hmm. I personally actually have a real issue with people who constantly, like people speak in sentences. So normally I know you, there's a certain flow to it, but I have some friends that they literally, they don't notice that you're three, week, three weeks, three words into a sentence. So, I might be contradicting myself. I mind, I actually know very quickly when I think I overstep and then I try to tone it down. Or I say, ah, that has to be tolerated. I had to finish that sentence. But I don't think, I don't feel totally blind to, oh, somebody has an idea, it's not finished yet. I try not to interject. So it's, I don't know if that's consistent, but. Yeah, I think maybe the commonality <laughs> between all of this is popcorn style way of generating ideas. 
So NE is very popcorn, like pop, 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 pop. So the ideas come very rapidly, or like when you have one line of questioning, you can think of five things it's connected to. And now you're really excited to talk about those things. And so perhaps that's the commonality between that. I might be delusional too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a thing that we can do. It's just, I know I'm better at it at 45 than I was at 15. It's a very learned skill. Um, and I have a NFP son as well. And I think because any does have that popcorn transcontextual, a lot of times the response feels like it's jumping to another topic to other people when really you're excited and you think you're responding very directly. And sometimes I know I at least forget to explain what the jump was that I took. And so it just feels like more of an interruption or a stealing it away from the main topic than directly responding. Um, sometimes I have to remember to circle back and put that explanation in. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I've basically learned to try to preface it because sometimes like like I'll get an idea, but I'll want to catch myself because I, okay, this person is talking or these people are talking. Uh, so then I try to learn to preface this like, listen, this might sound a bit random or this this might seem a bit like out out of, you know, out of left field or so to speak, just, you know, to give them that kind of space. It's like, okay, he may say something that we're going to think, wonder like, were you even like listening <laughs> Yeah, I, f I find that helps sometimes, so they know where I'm coming from. I find interesting. There's a good side to this, because if I'm the company of fellow NPs, there's some joy of being able to go tangent, more tangent, and still the person's in the room. So it's it's almost like a kinship you recognize, and then it's like, how far can we push it? And we're still having fun doing it. But then you calibrate that to your environment, right? If you're within, well, ESTJ or ISTJ in a room. Uh, Unless it might be an ESTJ jumper, you you very quickly go, okay, no, let's go back to linear and uh, less jokes out of necessity because they will lose you, right? But it's kind of weird when you're in a room, like I do, uh, I used to do improv with a group of friends and it's really enjoyable. And then you go to a meeting right after and it happens to be there's an ISTJ and a bunch of ESTJs in the room. You're like, ah, culture shock, but you do adjust grudgingly so, right? I think... On, on in a whole other area like we're not we're not just coming up with ideas on the spot i think there's also something going on where people get a few words out and that's genuinely enough for us to understand what what they're going to say and so we don't want to sit here and like listen to them prattle on for another three minutes when we get the point already and we just want to move on to to the next thing there's like a speed of wanting to cover more ground and like we we get it but I guess especially if you're an introvert, you don't people don't see all those dots having been connected already and they don't see what's going on there. I would take on that, and it's not even introvert. It's it's quite draining if you know what the person's gonna say. You sit through it and then they're saying, let me explain again. It's sort of like mansplaining. Let me tell you about how makeup works, lady. I have beat up fingernails, but no, no, no. Let, you, let me tell you again. It's just, oh man. So um yeah, that can be somewhat exhausting when you know what they said they say it again and uh and they say it again and uh like boris sort of right of night now again and i think exhausting is the right word especially when it's the litany of si details and over and over and over again it's like no i swear to you i don't need all those details like i've got the point can you just 
lead with a headline, please. Um, but yeah, I very much feel the exhaustion at the repetition. Because what's energizing is going through the concepts and ideas. So when you have to wait to get there and you're like, all right, step one, step two, step three, oh, shoot me. <laughs> yeah, because it's preventing you from being in your flow state for a very long time. Makes sense, makes sense. Well, along the same lines, there's actually a question out there. Um, I sometimes find time warps. Let's say, for example, yesterday, funny story, I was somewhere, I missed a go train. And I was thinking about some work project, but it's you get into these real flow states where it, this is a technical problem. I have to build some fairly complex spreadsheet, but all of a sudden it's it's like you're you're in your inner world. It's like a complex abstract movie runs and said, "Oh my god, I know how I'm going to solve these whole problems and how they correlate." But then you look at the clock, six minutes, <laughs> right? You feel like, "Oh my god," and then you think, "Yeah," and whew, it's going to be six hours to build it. But it's sort of it's a pleasant surprise. You feel time, time just slows down, and all of a sudden, I know. You look at it, no, no, this can't be. I'm not living in the matrix. It's only faking. It feels good, but it's just sometimes you question yourself, like, am I dreaming? What's going on? And then the re realization of, oh my god, it's going to take so long to build that. But I know it already. So thank God there will be problems along the way. Otherwise, it will be so dreadful if I just have to execute on what I just thought. But do you do you find you get in this weird thing where time changes, time warps? Absolutely. And especially on tech projects. Um, like once I kind of like I can get into that really good flow state when it's conceptual and it's still figuring out what the answer is. But once I've kind of figured out the answer and I have to sit there and type out all the code that actually does the thing I've already thought of, that's when time really slows down and uh, you just have to. I don't know it, but it is it's like an accordion. Right, like it's it's either going really really quickly or really really slowly, but I don't know that I've ever really experienced just normal time, according to other people. So, say you're a fellow coder, then out of curiosity, what? Uh... Yeah, I do. Um, I'm I'm more into statistics, but mm -hmm. I've learned well, databases along the way. So it's it's very process improvement, business analyst um, focused, but um, yeah, lots of SQL and trying to wrap my head around Power BI these days. Um, but yeah, all sorts of Excel magic in the mix as well. Isn't SQL so much better? It's clear, it's Chris, you know, Power BI is sort of, eh, it's made for the masses, but then when you want to go beyond trivial, it's blah. Hey, I'm trying to do Python in the background, and I'm just like, oh, just let me declare a variable type. Um. And you go, there is no variable. Nee, 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 Twilight Zone. Right. It's not type? No, there are no types. No. Your int will be afloat every time. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Joyce, we had to nerd out. That's an example of NE popcorning if you guys ever wanted one. <laughs> sometimes I try to figure out ways to tell apart SPs from NPs because they can sometimes seem a little bit similar. And one of the ways you can tell anecdotally that they're different is NPs tend to have a more creative, inventive, and nerdy vibe in comparison to the SPs. That This is anecdotal, so it doesn't apply all the way across the board. But there's truth to that. So <laughs> It's a statistical statement. We don't know but follow the normal curve, Sarah, but I, I believe it to be true. That the... <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's, it's Positive true. Covariance. I think that... With significance. The variable that I'd put a higher coefficient in front of, um, but like the thing that I look for 
is really a divergence between strategic and tactical. Um, I feel like <laughs> SPs are much, much better at tactics and not having to have quite as much of the strategic vision. Um, I'd argue that it means that they leave some things out and create some <laughs> chaos in the moment. Um, but I also know that, you know, I, that the SPs I work with would, would definitely get moving on a project and dive into things a little bit more quickly. Whereas I want to think about it and have a better strategy before I start actually doing stuff. And I think that goes back to not working in that linear fashion and wanting to have things sit in my head for a little while before I actually jump in and start going. Strategic is also a quality of the six as well. So that plays a little bit into you. <laughs> Having a vision is not just an I, it's also an E can also have ideas. It can, it can... An E can also have ideas. I love that statement, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they're similar in certain ways too, because they're both trying to look at, ooh, what could be? What are the possibilities? And so that can be a vision as well. One of the ways to also separate SE from high NE is an NE dominant type is going to have more of an innate optimism, whereas with the SE dominant types, you're going to have extreme realism there, almost like their feet are so planted on reality that they're super planted versus feet a little bit off of reality, but have a more optimistic viewpoint that the NE would have. This doesn't apply for like the introverted types though, but it applies for the extroverted ones more. So, so what I mean is like, you mean all the extroverted as in the ENFP and the ENTP is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cause I, introverted types can be kind of depressing sometimes. Let them speak for themselves. I'm sorry. I'm just confused, you know, just infused with sadness right now, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, 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 I totally get that. And, and because yeah, any is on our, dominant function. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, we might take a little longer to get into that kind of hopeful, optimistic, anything is possible type of space. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, and I definitely agree with the, the idea of uh, strategy versus tactics concept. Like I think both have a very relaxed air overall, but yeah, there's that any, that kind of like, this sounds so pejorative, but yeah, a little spazzy in a, in a way. Like, yeah, you're not as like you can you can tell like oh you're here, but you're also like somewhere else. Whereas like with an S, SP type, it's like yeah, they might be relaxed, but you can tell they are like here and they are like very aware of what's happening right around them. So yeah, and so SPs actually like they're waiting for the time to utilize their SE. So they might be in a relaxed snail state until something in the moment exciting is happening. And then they'll, they'll be the first to the action. So they're just waiting for that moment to jump in almost or to be excited about something. Yeah, that's well put, Paul. The zoned out state that Paul is mentioning is also sometimes referred to as the multiverse. So <laughs> <laughs> NPs can exist in the realm of, a realm of time called the multiverse. <laughs> can exist i mean they're, they're, they're sitting some oh damn another movie i think that what was the sh there was a tv show where people would jump through different time zones Sli sliders have you ever seen sliders it kind of feels like it's it's imposed mm -hmm. on you oh, oh i'm where is home i don't know and then you're comfortable with it then it's like i have many homes i'm rich so all good as long as you're not driving right <laughs> 
What? I said all good as long as you're not driving. Right? As long as I wake up in a better universe, that's okay, but that's not guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I definitely relate to just being in multiple places at once in my head. Um, even now, you guys definitely don't have 100% of my attention. It's a hard thing to achieve 100% of my attention. And I think that's an interesting statement because it might be correlated. I mean, I believe I'm an extrovert, but also I, I can feel by some maybe superficial definition, very introvert. I can spend a lot of time in my own head because I think an E is so, ah, yeah, you had some social interactions, but you can literally step into this other world, especially if you're into concepts like math or whatever. And you're ha you can spend a whole day, two days just by yourself without an interaction, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the extroversion is like, I feel like I can be extroverted alone because I'm extroverting with ideas and concepts rather than necessarily with people, but it's, it's external to me. So it's still using the any, it's still focused outside of me. Um, but I absolutely relate to, okay, I'm done with the world and I'm just going to be alone for whether it's two minutes, two days, two weeks, we'll just figure it out as we go. Yeah, so to be an extrovert, you don't need to be social. Social extroversion is different from cognitive extroversion. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. And so Spacey, any thoughts? What is similar between you and your girlfriend? She's watching, by the way. <laughs> no, not at the moment, but that is pretty common. Um, for context, I think she's INFP. People may not know that, right? Is she yeah, INFP? yeah, yeah, yeah that, that would be a relevant factor. Yeah, I'm just going to stop right now. For sure. No problem at all. Any other MP traits anyone wants to mention? I can't really take credit for this one because I remember uh, Heidi Pre brought it up. Uh, and I think it was part of part of her pitch for her boot camps where she talked about uh, ENFPs and INFPs uh, wanting to improve themselves, but not relating to that like T-E-S-I sense where it's like, establish this routine and then do these exact same things every single day until you eventually get better. We can do it for a very limited time. And there are times where like, I enjoy like, you know, just having like set routine, like I'll open like my favorite web comics in a specific order, things like that. That has nothing to do with improving myself, of course, but, uh, but yeah, it just sounds exhausting and, and, and I, it's not to say that we can't do it, but I think for a lot of NP types, like that would not be sustainable. Like you would just like, you, you could, I could imagine you might even be feel depressed by it at a certain point, because sometimes, you know, we, we need that uh, kind of freedom to just like, you know, like suddenly you have the rush of inspiration, like in, in the, like zero hour, so to speak. And it's not to say like, oh, procrastination is healthy, but like it, Oftentimes we do rely on those bursts of inspiration, like whether, like we don't want to have to get up at 5 a.m. if our natural energy is 3 a.m., for example, and then we go to sleep. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. go to sleep. That yeah, day. exactly. So it's not necessarily like, yeah, the nine to five type of productivity, which is great if you're wired that way. But some, like I'm a night owl by nature and a lot of my, you know, most wonderful ideas occur like between two and five in the morning. Yeah, I saw the nodding. I mean, I've taken it as a poll. I would say most people here are probably night folks, and I think it's probably correlated. Who, who I mean, I know Paul. But how, how would you say that might include Joyce because she's in an eye dome, right? 
Are you night folks or no, Sarah? Yeah, Casey? absolutely. I am a night person. Yeah, I find that MPs they're night folks because I find that their brain doesn't always shut off at night. So what will happen is sometimes like some of them will research things deep into the dead of night or think about things deep into the dead of night. <laughs> well, there's less distractions at night too. I mean, less noises, less less stimulation of all sorts, less things to interrupt the thought process. So you can get really into it. But um, I was just thinking, I mean, with me and my girlfriend, or I guess maybe between INTPs and INFPs in general, I don't, I don't find this quite as much with any DOMS for some reason, even though they lead with intuition, but we will, we like to talk about like uber conceptual, spiritual, metaphysical things, you know, like, you know, demons and, and spirituality and like things that just really don't seem real probably to like nine, 95% of people and things that there's really no concrete evidence for, or nothing that you can really point to in the world around you. But it's something that we like to kind of frequently discuss and, and analyze and kind of think about how it really is real and how it really does uh, impact things in sort of like a, an indirect sort of way. That's a large part of the conversation in our ENFP household. Um, huge amount of time talking about whether it's spiritual stuff or time travel or whatever. We're, we're totally happy to go down the rabbit hole and occasionally forget that the rest of the world isn't on board with us. Um, so choosing where to have those conversations. Um, but I do have a question for Paul. Um, when you were talking about following the energy, like I'm, I'm so there, like I'm, I'm so there. But one of the things that I find challenging is discerning when am I following the energy or when am I using following the energy as an excuse to procrastinate? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like that. Well, Spacey, you totally reminded me of like the whole thing with nighttime, like it's dark, so there's fewer distractions. And that actually reminded me of a Calvin and Hobbes strip who, and like Bill Watterson, the creator is usually considered an INFP. I think you could strongly argue Calvin is an NP just because of the very nature of his personality. Uh, and this is a more negative example, but it's like he can't get to sleep and he's like just worried about everything. And the, the exact quote was, I think nighttime is dark, so you can imagine your fears with less distraction. <laughs> so there, there's that dark side of it too, because it's one one thing that's great because yeah, you can like just surround yourself with all the ideas and there's like nothing really going on, but at the same time, there's that flip side. Uh, and the procrastination aspect, absolutely. Because sometimes it's like, okay, but like, am I really, do I really have a plan here? Or am I, do I just like have all these browser tabs open you know, whether literally or metaphorically, just because I don't really want to deal with getting anything done or moving forward in this particular avenue of my life. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle sometimes. Uh, it, I don't know if any of you know the blog Wait But Why by Tim Urban. Uh, yeah, he does this fantastic article on procrastination because it is a huge problem for him personally. And I know he, he's not, he did, uh, somebody actually asked him about what he thought of MBTI. And I think he's, he's a bit more skeptical by nature, but he did say INTP is the type he most relates to. So 
I think there's definitely a connection there. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend if if you haven't read that article because it's like, oh wow, like it affected me <laughs> quite emotionally. And I would second that. We actually have language in our house where it's like, okay, I know you don't want me to be, but I'm going to be your panic monster. If you don't do this homework on time, <laughs> then whatever, you don't have friends for a week. Um, and that's that's the thing that will get my son to actually kick into gear. Wow, two, two of the same type. Um, may I ask, what, what is your partner? Is he like a totally different, um, is he like ESTJ or that, how does that work? Do you gang up on him or? How He's does that out work? of the picture. So oh, okay, okay. It's just Oh my God, it's ENFP run uncontrolled. It's ENFP 100% in our house. Chaos. <laughs> well, but do you find you kind of alluded to it? And I often see that well in similar relationships one person has to for functionality assume the other role right like i mean i have friends that are well perceiver first probably ni but somebody has to say okay no we need to get this done and then you with some inertia actually become that person for a specific purpose like okay now we can play again but I mean, it's i'm the parent <laughs> so obviously I have to make sure we stay alive, right? Um, keep the lights on, have food in the fridge, that kind of thing. But I think what's different versus like a household that has, I don't know, any sensors in it is just where we draw the line at, at what's acceptable and where we make that trade off. And we will absolutely choose to spend time exploring ideas and developing moral foundation, pondering, you know, core concepts about God and the universe and let the kitchen stay messy. Um, like it's, it's, it's a very TE calculation, you know, which, which is going to bring us the most long-term utility and it's so future oriented. It's very easy to procrastinate on a lot of the stuff we don't want to do anyway. And I'm not sure if that's like real justification in the moment, or if that's just a post hoc thing we slap on at the end to make ourselves feel better, but that is kind of the way we go through life. Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had an INTJ son, would he be the parent in the family then? I mean, I'm totally hypothetical, but it's like, no mom, no mom. You're not following the vision, mom, mom. Okay, and now that's my ISTJ, but anyways. <laughs> his best friend is actually, or one of his close friends is actually an INTJ. Uh, and it's it's fun to watch them balance each other out, um, especially they do a lot of Dungeons and Dragons um, and setting up the campaigns and things like that. And you can just overhear the conversations. And there's always the like, but we should explore this thought and build out this system now from my son. And his INTJ friend is more, well, we've got we've got to get something started. We've got to get this moving, you know. I've, I've got a plan. Trust me, it'll it'll come out later on. Um, so it's it's kind of fun to watch that go back and forth. But it's it's all FI. Like everything's everything's judged on FI in our house much more than TE. So I do wonder if it would be different if you were an ENTP rather than an ENFP if we'd land in the same spot. Um, but I think there's just that. I don't know. Inferior SI definitely rears its head and we're happy to be different and not do the like conventionally accepted this is what a good family looks like <laughs> um and you know everything everything is is justified in the context of fi and what we think it means to be good people 
um, and sort of rejecting a lot of the having a clean house as part of being a good person narrative. That's what you have in common, but I find, I mean, something we could maybe explore is whether it's paired with TI or FI. I mean, I find, I'm obviously a TI user, this can work, but what if FI clashes? Because I think FI has probably more of a chance to clash between two people because it's a little less constrained than TI. For example, if, if Spacey and I were discussing a topic or had an initial disagreement, we would probably be able to settle it based on okay, well, TI has to follow logic. Let's follow our logic steps. We may disagree on some of the initial assumptions, but it's easier, I find, to reconcile two, T two TI users to come to a conclusion or to be able to say, we disagree because we have two initial assumptions that are different, and then we're okay to disagree. But I wonder with FI, it could be, I mean, I might be partial, it's a little more subjective. So you can pull something out of the air saying, no, this is good, and says, no, mom, this is bad. And do you find you can get into places where FI just clashes or it's just it happens to be in your son shares so much in terms of value sets? I think there is a lot of shared value set, but I think it's more that we both value logic and math and truth. And if that's part of, you know, if valuing truth is one of those core values, everything has to build on that. So. We can we can always start with a premise mm -hmm. and reason our way through it. Um, so what appears as an initial clash usually gets resolved by going through what are the base assumptions and what are the implications of those assumptions. And inevitably, one of us will convince the other that either we forgot a base assumption or we were thinking that a base assumption implied something different than it does. So it just results in discussion. Um, and we both come off better for it. Um, obviously, that's more robust as he's gotten older. And when he was younger, it was a lot more, well, mom says so, and here's here's what it's going to be. Um, but, you know, he's, he's 18 now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, but I do think something that's maybe unique to that MP, maybe not unique, but gets held up by NPs a lot is just that willingness to be curious and open mindedness for what that true authentic version of the other person's experience is. Um, and there's plenty of times where I just sit there and go like, okay, so tell me, let's ask some questions. Let's, let's ask some questions. Let's ask some questions. Occasionally he'll walk out of the room in a heated moment, but inevitably he comes back, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 hours later. Okay. I was thinking about it. I think we're, this is where we meet in the middle. Um, but yeah, we, we don't, we don't have a lot of FI clash because we can, we can still parse it down to that granular level. Yeah. And it's also because you lead with extroverted intuition mm -hmm. there as well. If you lead with an introverted judging function, you're more likely to be stubborn with your viewpoint too. So with some INFPs, especially if they're fours, I find that they stick to their their values really hardcore. And you'll see this as in like certain INFPs who are into certain typology schools of thought, they're like only the school of thought. And whenever you say you use the traditional terms, they're like, no, you have to use say it this way. And it's because of the FI with the SI. The SI is very particular with how they want you to say it. And the FI is very strong and unyielding with its values. 
When it's a four, not when it's a nine though. <laughs> That's where it gets complicated. With FI users, I find that there's, with some of them, there's the FI 180. And so they'll say a really strong, passionate opinion one week. And if they get new updated information through their NE, they can switch sides and go like, I believe in the other side just as strongly as I did last week. So I have this INFP friend who he was like, cognitive functions are the only thing that makes sense. Dichotomies suck. And then I, I talk with him again after one or two months. And he's like, you know what, Joyce? Cognitive functions suck. Only the dichotomies make sense. And I'm like, you had the complete opposite stance like a month ago. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that with TI users, they're going to state opinions with their degree of confidence in that opinion at that time. I tend to find like when I talk to a TI user, their level of confidence in how they're speaking reflects their level of confidence in the in how true they think it might be. So I kind of moderate off of that. Whereas for FI, sometimes I think when they speak in confidence, it's out of passion, out of their FI. So it comes from different places. So that's why I, I see that 180 with NFPs and not NTPs as often. That's just my observation. That makes sense. That's kind of the point I wanted to not steer things, but open things up to, because I find FI and TIA are kind of different in that sense. FI is more passionate, more assertive. TI is more, well, I'm about the process. And as a nature, you tend to be more gradual and more, you can say I'm 78% sure. Whereas an FI, and Paul, you can maybe speak to that. That's, I could be mistaken. It's easier to say, you know, this is true. This is not true. You, you, you're more likely to be in two extreme states. You can live in the middle, obviously. But I think as a tendency, that's kind of, I would agree with what Joyce said and maybe to the floor. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, yeah, I, th I think there's a, a lot of truth in it. Now, grant, and granted, yeah, Joyce made that good point because, yeah, aside from our MBTI <laughs> types, you know, there's the Enneagram throwing things in. So, yeah, uh, and like I often envy, which the fours would love that, you know, if I envied them. But <laughs> I, I often envy that sense of conviction they have because I've had discussions with, you know, F, like INFPs who happen to be fours and me being a nine, because it's like, well, you have a point. I could be wrong, you know, and maybe we can reconcile this. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, wow, that must be nice to have that sense of certainty because I, I often don't. Um, yeah, and, and I do find, like, I, I get on very well with an INTP at work. He's our IT guy, so... That's very uh, TI suited. Uh, and I find that when he discusses ideas with me, like, and I think this is very characteristic of especially TI doms is they pause a lot as they're talking because they want to be very certain about what they are saying. And it's not because like, oh, I need to get to the specific point like a TE dom would necessarily but it's like no i want to like distill this down it's like that granularity you mentioned before sarah it's like you know this like thing this you know whether it's like a logical idea or if it's like a personal conviction i have like i need to make sure this is like you know like down to the nitty-gritty this is absolutely certain um whereas when i get animated by something like i feel is you know very certain Uh, I can't necessarily say why. I just feel it very strongly that, no, this is right because it has to be right. And 
and I, I don't know how this can be wrong. I, I do experience 180s, but I take a lot longer to get there. You know, it may not necessarily be a week. It might be 10 years. <laughs> uh, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I was such an idiot, you know, like back when I was, you know, 17, for example, when I believed in this thing. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's uh, some difference there. And it's like it's like that kind of spectrum where, yeah, you might have like, you know, the the FI DOM fours on this end, you know, and the, I, I, I don't know what the best parallel for a TI DOM would be five, I guess, but uh, yeah, we're, you'll have that, those extremes over here and then over on this end. <laughs> I, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's so much like the level of conviction we have as it is uh, just, I guess, just the fact that TI users are frequently in the business of rationalizing through everything that's going through their head. Um, you know, FI users, uh, like wh whatever it is, I mean, it, it's coming from somewhere. It's still on some process, on some level, you know, a process that is kind of parsing through stuff and arriving at some kind of a truth, but they're not like, they're not always rationalizing things. It's not doesn't necessarily matter why they arrived at that conclusion. Only that that conclusion is true. Um, and I think, at least maybe if you're like a TI dom who's an introvert, you may have some idea in your head that is not. Maybe you haven't rationalized it completely yet. But then if you're talking to someone else, you will start trying to piece it together in a very rational way to see if you can actually uh, you know, explain it to people in a way that bears out, or you may just engage in some flat out post hoc reasoning, but, but the rationalization will always be there. Yeah, I find, I mean, there's sort of, to, to just add to that or maybe try to nuance it, um, FI, I think has a, po possibly has a tendency to say, oh, but I said it with conviction. Conviction is a measure of truth. More so than with a with a TI DOM, it's consistency, right? So that's why they tag along and are, oh yeah, well, I followed my own rules, I followed your rules, I couldn't find a flaw, I accept it. But an FI DOM could be saying, yeah, but I'm passionate about it, so it has to be true. How can you invalidate what I said because I'm passionate about it, right? So as a tendency, I'm not I'm not saying it's irrational uh, or, or it's a bad thing. Whereas we might come across a TI. Doms or Oxus might come across as sort of flat because, yeah, I'm, I'm excitable, but we're not passionate about something. We're willing to chuck it saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, I had a logic error. I'm, I have to sign up to what you just said. Whereas an FI DOM might say, say, but I feel passionate about it. Don't, or don't you feel passionate about it? I don't know. I kind of push back on that a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, it's, I would never equate passion with truth like they're they're very distinctly different things i know lots of people who are passionate about things that i think are absolutely freaking bonkers um especially living in america in 2021 um but i think there's there's an order that the justification happens and that the logic happens and it's it's what you're building that logic on so i might not necessarily be building my logic on facts first i'm building my logic on values first mm -hmm. and then the facts support that value structure 
Whereas I think the TI folks tend to let their value judgments come after the, the facts first. So I think it's it's less about passion, commitment, that type of thing, and just what you're prioritizing in terms of what happens first versus what happens second, but they have to go hand in hand. Anyone who's only using one of their judging functions is missing out on something. And I, I'm not in disagreement with you. And I think it might have to do with whether it's first or second, because, and this is a statistical statement, in ISFP and INFP, I have more often encountered the, well, passion counts for something or saying you lack passion. For you, they're adjacent functions. Plus, I find even on the ENFP spectrum, it's not a judgment, it's just a best guess, you might be more extreme in the thinking side of things just because of what you're doing, which is an indication of what you're leaning towards because there's not, not necessarily every ENFP is in data science, right? So you have the two functions adjacent in the middle and yours might be flexing at the same muscle strength, maybe even inverted. You could be a jumper in OP, right? So um, I'm talking about a statistical tendency without an absolute statement, right? No, and I, I totally get that. And I completely own the fact that like ENFP six with a degree in economics and statistics is not the most representative sample of ENFP. Um, and I, I definitely grew up in a household with a lot of ENTPs as well. Um, but I, I do, like there's definitely FI users that I know mm -hmm. who would jump on board with the passion and conviction type statement. I just, I just don't see that with other NFPs as much. Like I just, it, I just think about all the NFPs that I know and have met through boot camp and things like that. And I just, I just don't feel like I, I tend to hear the passion level of passion equals conviction. Cause I think, you know, we know, especially with, with any, the 180 thing is real. Like we, we do this. So being passionate in the moment absolutely just means you are passionate in the moment. Um, it's, it's, it's not a statement of truth. It's definitely, I'm, I love to be proven wrong and shown another way and changing my mind is one of the more fun things. So change my mind, Boris. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the difference between the any dominant types and the any auxiliary types, right? Because any doms are like, yeah, change my mind. Because the NE is like, more information, the better. You're updating my NE, and I love that. Whereas I think an INFP and INTP, they might like that up to an extent, but it's also like, they kind of want their original structure to have some truth to it too. So they're kind of like, they're more resistant. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound bad. I, I have a lot of experience with INFPs, and they're very different than ENFPs in that sense. ENFPs do relate to what Sarah said, so they're actually extremely open-minded. But for the INFPs, I know, <laughs> may not always identify it that way. Of course, Paul's nines with ones are very different. If they either can name Paul have a nine or a one, that's a different story. Just to be sure. I, I kind of second that, right? And uh, and it's 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 not a bad thing. It's just a a gap that has to be bridged, right? Because like in reverse, Paul might say, as an FI user, do you find TI users kind of in some way troublesome. For example, I might say, you guys got no values. <laughs> like, is there sort of, as an extreme, do you find, or your value challenge, can you ask them, what do you think about that? And they're like, I don't know, let me think about it. And like, what, do you not have a passion about something? I, it, 
I, I've been told that I'm sort of flat in some extent. Um, well, I mean, even though I'm bubbly, but I don't have these close to my heart held values that are unshakable. Do you find that sometimes as a, yeah, those, those TPs, um, I don't know what's going on. No soul in there. Yeah. I, I think maybe like in my darker moments, absolutely. And I think it helps that I got into typology, like, you know, just right, just right after high school, really. And, you know, then I basically learned that, okay, people do perceive the world in a way that I don't necessarily understand, but the more I, the more I learn about it, the more I can appreciate. So there's that, yeah, very surface level. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. The, the TP types. Yeah. The, you know, everything has to be like cold filtered logic with them, but there's no belief behind it or there's no, uh, yeah, there's no like real passion or humanity behind it. But those are just like the very dark moments. It's just like, you know, you know, and I live with an, <laughs> I'm married to an ESTJ and like I had a lot of pushback with TE types growing up where it's like they just want to like order people around. Like they get off on it. It's like some sort of sick fantasy with them. <laughs> That's the ESTJ non-jumper that yeah, I, I know. One and type it's... I often clash with. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I say that in public yeah. now. If my future boss sees us, but we probably won't be working together for too long if they're a hardcore ESTJ. Yeah. That is something that I have issue with. And I don't know how that works for you because there's there's a pushiness, a bossiness, a micromanagingness that has to be push them back till they fall on their button saying, okay, now let's negotiate some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, uh, but and just going on onto the because I know this isn't <laughs> just distracting from the TI bit, but the TE types. I remember this ESTJ manager I had when I was in my early twenties, and she specifically said, and I don't know what I was doing. I was just doing some like kind of task. I worked in retail, and she told me, "Paul, you're a big time waster," and I was like so hurt by that because it made it sound like I was like stealing from the company and i don't mean like stealing from the company like Understood. uh yeah but in that sense like oh well because i i like my bosses and i like my coworkers and stuff so like why would i want to hurt these people and uh yeah that really stuck with me like i don't even remember her name i can't really tell you anything else about her except she really liked the sopranos but <laughs> that's it yeah that, there's some random tidbits but that really stuck with me as, oh, wow. Like, I didn't think I was wasting time. I thought I was working. And I was probably just like off in my head and not being as productive as some other people might be. But By some superficial there. measure, which is yeah. so tied to the moment, because tomorrow you're going to come up with that. I mean, I had a friend. Well, I have a friend. She's an architect, INFP. And this might be another tangent. I find INFPs might potentially be among the least satisfied in the work environment, but she she has a lot of passion. She There was a project that she pulled out of a gutter with mo much of it at her own time. It was a design of a specific hospital for children, and there were some details that later on won a prize, but one of the ESTJ managers didn't even appreciate that in the short run, saying, oh, we got to be done, we got to be done, and was getting it to a point where she actually left the company. But then later when she was gone, that person was be patting themselves on the shoulder, was getting credit for what that INFP did just out of passion, humanity, and based on values, right? And it's I think it's something that could happen to INFPs because they don't satisfy the somewhat narrow-minded, short gratification metrics of 
performance, but they're focused on something that down the road is of higher value, but it may not be recognized and they're rightfully uh, upset or frustrated or discouraged, right? Yeah, and that's where the lower down TE comes in place. It's like a less concern for the bottom line and a more concern for, is this really important to value in the long run? So another way I've heard FE and FI put before is FI is values of all time. FI is trying to figure out not only the values of the moment, but they're trying to figure out like the values of all time almost. Whereas with FE, it's almost like more aware of the values in the moment and a little bit more disconnected from the all time forever values of all time. Anyone else want to chime in? Stacey, you've been a little bit quiet, so I may have tossed the ball to you. I don't know. I've, I've just been trying to trying to think. Um, I don't, I don't, I find that FI users are usually not super passionate unless they really do believe that something is true. It's, it's definitely not like a replacement um, for truth, but I guess kind of sort of what you were alluding to. It's just that these, these truths are not only, um, it, they're, they're like somehow they're more important. They're more like all encompassing. And that's part of the reason for, for the passion behind it. And it's also, I think on some level, they feel those truths to be kind of self-evident. It, I think it kind of ticks them off that they really need to be explained because I mean, obviously not only, I guess, do they kind of struggle more to put words to it, but it really is like more of a self-evident kind of truth where I think for TI users, it's more of like a constructed self-explanatory. That's a really um, good way of putting it. And it's not, the truths are also, they're more divorced from, it's not like a part of our own self-identity. It's just something we just want to stick to what we believe to be true, but it's not like an expression of who we are. I think to the extent that it is, we just, it's important for our identity just to be people who speak the truth in general. Um, but I guess the truths themselves don't necessarily matter. That's really, really well put, Spacey. Yeah. So uh, FI users are chill until they have an FI value that strikes up. So we don't, we're not saying that they're passionate all the time. It's like when during those spikes, those moments, depending on the FI user, what that is, it'll it'll come up like what Spacey said. I find though, when I do have like FI friends who are very passionate about a specific cause or something, and I don't share that, or if I go against mm. it. <laughs> like with certain INFPs, I've been door slammed very fast. And I know door slams are applied to INFPs a lot, but INFPs have a repulsion switch sometimes when they're fours, not when they're nines. Uh, Paul, I don't want to like <laughs> put you into that category. <laughs> But I'm also, I'm, I'm not, I'm not bad talking them too. It's just something like I objectively notice when I don't share values with an FI user, we do not feel as close. So it's almost like that level of closeness has reached a, a, a certain point where they're like, no, if you, if you believe that on that stance. Sorry, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, and I've been feeling the burrows of that. <laughs> you're not, a, I mean, I had this, you're not a passionate vegetarian. Boris, that's it. I mean, we can't talk. I'm it's like, 
anyways, <laughs> I I I second that experience. And for an TI user, what's challenging is it is really very individual. What may be a trigger point for a person that is strongly believing into something from their the core of their FI. So I'm not saying it's it's not irrational. It just it it is alien to us and sometimes it can put some angst into you like oh wow did i just step onto a, a, a plate mine i mean and then we say wait but this is sort of very similar to this but this gives you the heebie-jeebies and this one is okay so thinking hmm but again it's, it's very subjective right i'm sure there's a counterpart to it. it's like have you no values <laughs> do you have no passion there's so many uh, who's that um Actually, unrelated. Joyce, the the person, what's her name? Something Lundgren. Uh, she's an activist for climate science. She's probably on the Greta. Greta. Yeah. What would you say her type is? Of course, she has some. She might be on some spectrum, <laughs> as an Aspergers or something. But um, so it's hard to. It might construe the type. What do you think her type might be? I haven't seen much material on her, okay. so I wouldn't be able to give you one hundred percent. I've heard her typed as an NTJ, but she could be an NFP. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh no, I just thought it would would be FI, right? I believe she has FI stepping to the forefront. An NTJ can obviously has a, a FI FI too, but I don't think she has FE, even though she cares. But she cares from a very individual perspective, and I'm glad she's around. I just love her. She's so iconic, but she's also very fringe in a in a charming sort of way, right? But I would say. That is FI, not FE, in in a in a sort of obscure way, right? And this NT, NTJ would would fit in there, right? So tangent, sorry. That's a really good example, Boris. And so let's talk about NPs. So what are some famous or fictional NPs that you know of that maybe we can give people a flavor of how they look like? Because we were speaking about Greta, and so I was like, oh, FI demonstrations. So how about, you know, MPs that you know in real life or in famous fiction? Well, well, I can. I mean, I have one that I always mention, but I mean, I let the team go first. I mean, I think Anne of Green Gables in the books, not necessarily the movies or TV shows, is definitely an ENFP. And you just you just see that the any all the way through. Um, in fact, Netflix did some version of Anne of Green Gables recently. And like the reason I just couldn't get behind the character was they weirdly gave her SE and it was just so confusing. Um, so that's that's an example that I hold up pretty frequently as, a, as an NP. And Time then, for Richard or not yet? <laughs> I think a lot of people can't argue with this one, but I'll go with Robin Williams. Uh, and, and I'll say this from a personal point, and I'm not a person who name drops or by nature, but I actually had the pleasure of meeting him oh, back wow. when I was doing my first, my first stand-up night. This was great. I was only 18. You know, technically, I, w I shouldn't even be in a nightclub. Uh, yeah, and I, I just got to meet him just for a little bit. Like, I came off the stage. I was feeling really high because I hope, like, holy shit, that was amazing. And my coach says, listen, don't freak out, but Robin Williams is in the green room. And normally I'm very shy around, like, just people in general, but especially, you know, famous people. But, like, I was just so amped up. I, like, walked right up just to introduce myself. And I was really struck by just, like, how kind he was. 
uh, because he he just had that wonderful like warmth about him. And like I was, I got to talk to him for a few minutes, and he wrote down a phrase in Latin. But actually, he started to write something, and then he, then he scratched out and says, "No, that's stupid. I don't want to give you that." And it's like, "You're Robin Williams. You could blow your nose. You could <laughs> your ass. I would keep it." But he wrote the phrase in Latin, uh, like, "Don't don't let the bastards get you down," you know, which really meant a lot to me. But of course, then his stand-up comedic style is like so, like all over the place, and it's just a wonderful example I find. But anyway, to riff on that end, to defy Joyce's orders, I will. I bring will bring up my friend Richard in a little bit. Um, yeah, I find. Maybe an interesting subtle point. Ne if it's paired with T I O F E, I find. I mean, we're pretty good at improvising, uh, being an ENTP, I think. But I find the ones who get the cake are actually, to me, I would say the ENFPs, like Robin Williams, because there's something different. We are we are still constrained by TI. TI kind of grounds and checks, whereas FI doesn't need all that checking. It has a feeling. It goes with it. And we're second best in terms of uh, improv comedy. Like he, Robin Williams is, I believe I'm fairly quick in picking things up, but he's a guy, you blink, you miss something. And he is at a, at a level that can't be reached. And I think that might be NE plus FI, uh, even though there's a lot of good comedians or uh, talk shows that are ENDP, but that's just a feeling. Those two paired are unbeatable in that realm. I noticed that too. Extroverted intuition is so much more obvious in NFPs than it is in NTPs sometimes. I would second that. Having TI moderates it, so sometimes it'll, like you'll have any, but it's still like toned down a little bit because you're going. It's going through the TI before you're you're kind of saying it, and I can tell. I don't know how to explain it, but that's so true. <laughs> any other examples? Um, All right, I'll have to say it. Richard Feynman. I think he's the epitome of an ENTP, at least. I mean, just the 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 outlook on life is he's and I always try to pitched this uh, book that he won't get any royalties anymore where he's now. Surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman. I read that when I was like oh, in my early 20s, friend of mine gave it to me, and I could so relate to the experiences. He's basically a kid. He talks about his life story, what he did, and many of the things he did I could relate to. I mean, I also happened to have a physics degree, but um, uh, like, for example, inventing, I, you know, math, the sign notation, sign function is sort of it breaks the mold. Sine x is a different notation, so you want brackets around it or something. So I made up my own function to describe sine, but then I realized, oh, damn, I can't communicate. And he did the exact same thing. So I could say I can relate to the way he thinks. Everything is a bit of a game, even the way he dies. Like his last few sentences were like he was laughing, saying, oh, man, let this be over soon. I hate to die again. It's just so damn boring. <laughs> so he's cracking a joke the day he dies, right? So, yeah, and, and the ideas that he brought to physics are so wacky by conventional terms, but they really revolutionized physics, Feynman diagrams. He has this notion of uh, certain particles are just the same as the others, just they travel backwards in time. And he has this, it's, you need, I think, and you need an E to come up with stuff like that, plus the willingness to throw stuff away. Hey, I tried this. Okay, it doesn't work. Okay, pff, let's try something else. So not being too attached to anything at infinitum, I, he, he's the epitome of an ENTP, I would say, which is one of the any doms. Right? I kind of struggle to come up with. I think, I think Frank Zappa would be like the perfect example of an ENTP musician. 
um, from the, the way he makes music, the sheer amount and variety of music that he makes to his, his outlook on life, all that crap. Oh, a fictitious factor, I would say the 12th, is it the 12th or 13th? It's uh, David Tennant and uh, Matt Smith. People may argue, is who is ENTP, who is ENFP? I might have an opinion, but I think the two really have an E in their blood too, um, the way they go about things. And that's probably common among several of the characters, but those two, I would say definitely any doms. Kapali, obviously not. I would say more likely INTJ. I definitely know that I gravitated to Tennant and Smith way more than Capaldi. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's so different about this doctor. Um, and even Jodie Whittaker, too. Like I think she's ever, ENTP, possibly. I think they're trying to write her as an ENTP, but the person doing the writing doesn't necessarily have that same NE that Moffat had, right? So when you get into the fictional characters, I always have this struggle in my brain of like, is it actually the character or is it the writer not able to fully gel with the character? So um, I do think I do think she's supposed to be an NE Dom, but it doesn't feel like it lands the same way that it did when Moffat was writing um, or RTD. And one general statement is any problem with fictional characters is they don't have to be consistent. Most people in their lives are, but they can be discontinued. And whoever's writing probably doesn't think, oh, this guy or girl will be an ENTP. They just have sort of a feeling what would drive with the audience. So they give them some attributes which might be inconsistent on another level, right? So Absolutely. And so an example of an ENFP is also Pierre XO. I, I like him as an example, but no one really knows about him. Pierre XO is like this ENFP who is like extra hard on the FI side. So when he dresses, you can like just feel the FI off of his wardrobe. Um, so <laughs> FI, some of them have like a unique touch to things. So you'll notice like their individualistic spin on things or how they like to approach something is very specific to them. And you learn a little bit about the FI user by looking at their approach to something or how they look for certain ones and for how they have certain things set up. Some of them scream FI. And I think PRXO is a good example of that. There's also an NP called John Green. He's like a movie guy and he made the Fulton yeah, Stars. Yeah. yeah, So, but he's more the INP, NE user. So he's more of that spectrum of it. Cool. All right. And so if you guys come up with any other examples, you can sprinkle it throughout the- I have episode. one more. Sure. I think Stephen Fry is an ENTP. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but just especially when he was hosting QI and just that trans contextual being on top of it and just the consistency of wordplay in every single time he appears anywhere. Um, it just screams NP to me. Mm-hmm. And Bo Burnham screams MP to me. People have him typed as INFJ sometimes, and I'm like, total no, total no. <laughs> so that's one of my examples too. Yeah, he's, he's an ENFP, I think. He's definitely some sort of NP for sure. I'm wondering everyone, how would you separate all of your types? I know we talked a little bit about TI versus FI to separate the NFPs from the NTPs. I'm wondering if you guys have any other differentiators to determine which one you are out of these four types. For ourselves or to find others? Just, just as a question and then maybe people that may guide people's answers. Like for ourselves or if I look at others, try to determine which NP they may be. You can literally take it any way you want. <laughs> I'll step back for a second. 
I always tend to look at what function exhausts you. Um, and, you know, I'm easily exhausted by SI. And so I think for ENFPs, ENTPs, a quick, a quick way to, to figure out the iron, the E is how exhausting is SI for you? Um, and I don't have any super great preformed litmus test for that. I just kind of feel it out in the moment. But I think that's one of the, the big things I look for is just what's, what's that inferior function wagging the tail or tail wagging the dog? INFPs and INTPs, some of them have a higher propensity to, to be pedantic for that reason due to the higher up SI. So you'll notice that sometimes, and they'll be more comfortable with SI in general too. So. Yeah, I, I can definitely second that. Like I find my SI quite comforting. It's, and now granted that speaks to the nine in me as well, but it's, yeah, like a, it's like a one, wonderful constant blankie. Uh, but yeah, then of course, I think this is great. I think uh, Nate Rasa actually brought up the point on Twitter a while ago, like how he, he likes to type people by like, you know, like what their triggers are and like what, you know, what they're insecure about and what, how they feel weak. Uh, and yeah, for me, that's definitely TI because while I can certainly appreciate it in small doses and yeah, sometimes I, I've learned over a long time, don't take what they say personally because <laughs> it's very rarely not, it's very rarely personal. Like they are just trying to be direct and honest with you. And uh, which is great because you rarely have to second guess a, T, a TE user, <laughs> which is wonderful. You tend to know where you stand with them. Uh, and I get this, like I get this with my ESTJ wife and my uh, one of the partners I work very closely with is an ENTJ. And like he is yeah, very direct with me. And, and it's never meant in like, you know, a harsh way. Like he's, and maybe I think he's done a lot of work on himself where he's like learned, hey, listen, you know, some people might take what you're saying to them the wrong way. Uh, but, yeah, I I definitely find people who struggle with being productive in the conventional sense. I can usually tell like, OK, you're probably an NP. You're probably like me. And then like looking at them, like just to going by their like overall energy and not whether or not they're sociable, but just how animated they seem to be. I'll try, try to figure out, like I get, I can tell, like I mentioned my, uh, the INTP I work with, like, and it's like, yeah, you make so much sense as an INTP. Uh, when you told me you were an INTP, it's like, well, thank you for confirming that because that's <laughs> what I, I was pretty sure you were. So that was very, that was very nice to hear. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I do find that helps. Like, I, I do find, yeah, what we talk about people's strengths a lot, but oftentimes our weaknesses can be so much more revealing. Yeah, because we aren't even necessarily as guarded about them as we like to think we are. Yeah, it, it leaks out. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be that vigilant. Makes sense, makes sense. One of the differences too is the extroverts here are a little quicker to jump into action. So it's actually like the INFP and INTP with polar SE that actually makes them even more prone to being procrastinating. Although the um, ENPs can also be that way, they also have a certain point where they do jump into action too, a little quicker than the INFP and the INTP. Not always, but there's sometimes that. 
I, I would agree with what you said, Joyce. Um, and it might just be, it's not so much, oh, I got to get shit done. It's like, hey, this is boring. Let's just do something. And you might get some new inputs that you can incorporate. Um, for me, normally, if I had sort of to come up with an algorithm, if I know I'm in a group of NPs, try to find out who's who, I would first go for NE because NE really shows. So then I know who's the ENTP, who's the ENFP, and then I'll zoom in on the FI versus TI. Um, if it's quiet in the room, then I, I, I also zoom into FI versus TI because, I mean, that's for me is the distinguisher if I know I'm dealing with an, with an NP, right? It's uh, maybe a total change of direction, but I'm trying to... From personal experience, the question is, how do you relate to certain other types? For example, you could say, um, well, NE is balanced by SI. How do you work or maybe even partner up with SI types? For me, the statement is actually, I really seek out NI types. Um, and that's retroactively validatable because I said, said this often, but not everybody here may know. Um, before I even believed in the MBTI, I had several experiences of friends or lab partners that I worked with like magic. And they were all INTJs, which is very unlikely given the statistics, but retroactively found, oh, INTJs. And I even get that with INFJs at work even. <laughs> um, so for me, NI, if somebody is an NI dom, I feel sort of pulled towards them. And it's it's there's a familiarity, but also a difference, which I don't find with SI. SI is not something that I find ever very appealing. But CSI and high in the stack, I'm like, boring. <laughs> I just don't feel the, hey, I want to get to know that person or work with them. How does that work for you? I mean, what do you seek or subconsciously prefer based on history? I've had a lot of any doms in my life co collect me, like I'm Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so for context, I'm an INFJ and I lead with an I. And I find that my INFP friends, they have a tendency sometimes to befriend ISTJs. Maybe not everyone, right? But there is like a slight pull towards that and I notice it. So who someone is inclined to be friends with could be a tell or it could not be a tell, but depends on the individual, right? So for me, I definitely find myself attracted to NI and NE folks. Oh, of course, uh, NE is included. <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, like attracts like, um, but that tends to be more at like a peer level, like in terms of friendships, a hundred percent. And in terms of coworkers at my level and up, I, I really vibe with that well. But when I build a team, I consciously try and include a lot of SI users to, to fill in my blind spot. And it's not like it's all, you know, sunshine and roses right out of the gate, but I think there is a beautiful balance that can happen there. Um, and I've really, I've really become weirdly in love with oh, the, the SJ temperament and just the, I just really respect the value that they can bring to keeping everything going and on track in a way that I know I am not able to. Um, but it does tend to be the SFJs um, that I just tend to naturally gravitate towards. And I should have qualified the con uh, the context. I agree with you. If I had to put it together a team, and I'm joking now when I'm saying somebody has to do the work, but it's nice to have STJs. But in a, in a sort of a personal sense, I often work in very small teams. And for me, I think the ideal partner has been INTJ um, in, in that context, just based on historic data, and also who I like to hang out with. 
I mean, there are, I have uh, SI high up people in my, in my realm, but it tends to be the NIs are the ones that stick. So if I have to establish a one, one person team recently in a work context, there's a, a girl and I, I've worked with her and I, I totally went up to her. It's like, you know what? Do you know anything about MBTI? It's like, no, no clue. I said, I believe you're an INFJ tumultuous <laughs> and she said, oh, okay let's look it up and sure enough she was so i have these hunts where we work together well she's a gentle soul but i mean i can taper my myself to a person i i think we're fairly malleable and there's some sort of nice synergy where we complement each other and i just always i find out and i use her and often i actually get validation like it's something that's attractive on on a i want to spend time with you or work with you level yeah, I mean, I love with the NI users, it feels like they're they're constantly polishing my thought and forcing me to refine my thoughts at a level that I would probably naturally just blow past. Um, so, it, it and it does feel like I'm expanding their thought process too. So it, there's an amazing synergy there and it feels natural and easy and not like you're always correcting each other. Bloody brilliant. And so I'm wondering, what are some other differences you see between everyone? Oh, let's face it. I guess, honestly, I find like when I bump into people who are ENFPs in, in like real life, even if it's just like, a, like an Uber driver or something, like it, it's really obvious to me for some reason. Like I have this composite image of them in my head as like this cherub face, like rosy cheek, like super warm and immediately engaging and they really are just interested in like making uh connections with people and like putting them more at ease and i i mean that's how i really distinguish them from most entps that i run into because the entps are usually going to be a little bit more prickly in that regard like the energy level is going to be there most of the time but they're not they're not really going to care so much about how they come off to other people so much which is weird i guess because you'd think with the fe there that that they might be but uh they're they're i think they're way more uh kind of comfortable being in their own world uh on some level and if people like them that's fine if people don't like them that's fine too um and you know they don't necessarily need to uh make a connection with someone else they're just kind of more interested in having a either a productive work relationship or having fun with them if it's if it's beneficial or interesting to them. Um, INTPs and INFPs can be pretty hard to tell apart a lot of the time, but I, I would say something that Paul said earlier, um, INFPs definitely have a problem with taking things personally and like going out into the world and like it, it bites them and they go, ouch, oh my goodness, geez. <laughs> You know, and uh, uh, from my perspective, I, I kind of expect, uh, you know, the world to be a, a cruel and, uh, you know, misunderstanding place. But at the same time, I understanding that my interactions with people seem to be a little bit more um, smooth uh, than I than I see with a lot of INFPs. There's a lot less volatility in kind of how I feel coming home at the end of the day and how my interactions with people go. Um, I, I feel like I tailor myself very uh, well and subconsciously to the people around me. I'm kind of like a chameleon. I don't, I don't really think about it. My skin just changes color. Um, so that's kind of how I've gotten comfortable being like kind of a blue collar worker. Uh, 
where, I mean, honestly, I've come to appreciate SI people a lot more uh, being in like construction and maintenance and stuff because they really do, uh, I, they've really helped me got, get better at working with my hands and kind of understanding how, how things work mechanically and kind of how to flow with the whole bureaucratic process as far as code goes and how everything needs to flow from the top down, you know, uh, I especially like when I run into an ESFJ in that line of work, because it's very helpful for me to have an FESI person to kind of, uh, smooth over my interactions with the boss or kind of make me feel more at ease in that kind of an environment. Yeah. Speaking to you, telling INFPs and INTPs apart, I think sometimes initially it can be hard, but then you zoom in on, on one thing I really like about INFPs is probably out of all the types, they really, I think they are authentic by nature. I, I value authenticity, even though I have an FE user, I can play games, I can even potentially manipulate the situation, but INFPs are just wonderfully um, authentic. And they also, and they try to seek that. I'm not saying INTPs are not, but they're more detached. So if, if they're slightly more passionate about certain things and have this authentic vibe, I think that kind of indicates to me INFP if I have to distinguish them or if I find them. And that's something I really appreciate because again, as an FE user, I can move around in a group, not, this is another question for an INFP. I could see that INFPs might be frustrated with FE DOMs or OXs because FE can also be a little placating and deceitful, which which is really offensive, I think, of all types to an INFP because they like authenticity and they get might get turned off, which I can understand by these FE guys or girls that say things they don't mean. It's just it's not in an IF, INFP's fabric. Paul, how do you how do you feel about that? Is that something you resonate with? Yeah, I definitely do to some extent. I think it helps that I guess one of my FI values is courtesy, which I know things like, you know, manners and politeness, you know, is very characterized by FE behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just happened to, maybe it's because I was, how I was how I was raised, you know, my mom's an ISFJ, for example. But so I find that gives me at least some common ground uh, where... Yeah, yeah, because I, I totally relate to that as like, even though like, like I think a lot of INFPs or, you know, ISFPs, FI DOMs, they don't necessarily want to upset people with their authenticity. You know, they, I think they'd prefer to more or less remove themselves from the situation, you know, to, because it's not like, oh, I'm just going to like, you know, you know, upset everyone just because I'm being true to myself, <laughs> you know, because it's seen... It's I not intentional. I, I could definitely see that, you know, if you're a younger FI user, you know, and it just makes sense with your type development. Uh, but I do really appreciate FE users in the sense that they really want to connect with you. And especially more if you get them one-on-one, -on -one, because then there's that sense like, you know, like I want to like understand where, you know, where you're coming from. And that way they don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, well, what, what's everyone else in the group, you know, think? What do they want and stuff? Uh, like I, I work pretty closely with an ESFJ, and yeah, she's delightful, and I've learned to connect with her. Like I'll even flirt with her, and it's just like the very like very like casual, playful sense where, uh, 
because I know she appreciates it. You know, she, you know, she appreciates, you know, feeling attractive and, and desired. And it's, and she's HR too. So <laughs> when you can flirt with an HR person, like it, it's something special. It's, uh, yeah. And, and I've really appreciated Joyce is an that. HR, by the way. I just wanted to say that, right? Yeah. He's an yeah. And, user too. Mm. Yeah. And I really appreciate the sense of like warmth that you get with FE users, for example. It's, it's wonderfully comforting. Uh, like I met an, e, an e, another ESFJ three years ago at a Buffy trivia contest. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and she's just wonderful. Like the first thing, and it's this is very behavioral and I'm not saying you should type by behavior or, you know, facial things. But uh, I told her, you know, the, the first, well, the first thing I, I noticed about her was that, you know, she makes a great Buffy because she was dressed up as Buffy because it was Halloween. And, but the second thing was like, you know, your smile, like you just like, you know, pulled me in. Like it was like, you know, you are welcome here and I want you to feel comfortable and safe. Uh, yeah. And I think Joyce, I think at one point I complimented you. I think I called you like an absolute campfire of a human being <laughs> because, and it's you say and it's campfire really or dumpster fire? You got to qualify. I'm not sure. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Campfire, uh, just and you definitely see that in these interactions because of the way you like you pull in all these people from all these diverse backgrounds and stuff. And here we are, we're all circled around you, and you want us to, you know, express ourselves and share our ideas. And it, it's just that wonderful communal sense I, I've really come to appreciate with FE. So I, I've never really had that issue. I think it's more if an FE user says something like they, you know, like it's kind of like the two-faced friend aspect mm -hmm. where they're nice to you and then they go around and like talk shit about you behind your back like that's the kind where i find well you know that's the only real sense i get where i might find you know that kind of fe behavior jarring and it's not to say that anyone who's nice to you and then talk shit is an fe user but that's a, just that very shot you know very uh, stereotypical characterization that's the only time i might have an issue but happily i haven't experienced that not since high school. So. <laughs> I guess I anyway. hang around with all these high school. I, I don't have an issue with it. It's just something I wanted to throw out there because I've been told with by FI users that they dislike that behavior, which I can understand. And in reverse, I really appreciate about uh, ISFPs and INFPs. They have this authenticity that I really appreciate, right? Uh, which makes it often easy to tell them from INTP because they're a little more removed. They, they're they not not authentic, but they don't have this drive to be authentic. Mm, yeah. On the topic of compliments that Paul brought up, just letting everyone know I love compliments, so feel free to send them my way. <laughs> that said, these types can be harder to tell apart because some FI users incorporate FE-like values into their FI. And so they actually do placate themselves and they actually do, like they won't say something if it's gonna hurt someone's feelings. And that can look like FE when it's really FI adopting FE values. And that's where it gets complicated. <laughs> but yeah, continue on. I like your furniture, Joyce. We should see more of it. There's that uh, beautiful curved is there a Santa Claus on there or a Christmas candle? What is that? <laughs> it's one of my Asian family's 
the gods they worship that I don't know who they are. <laughs> You're gonna end up in heaven. You try to plead your case, and you don't even the guy or girl's name. You don't even know if it's a guy or a girl because it would be rude to check, right? That's horrible. Yeah, I don't. I'm not subscribed to that that ideology, but it's nice. <laughs> oh man, my parents can kill me. Do they believe, or it's just that's ah, a cultural <laughs> thing? I think it's a cultural thing. That's yeah, I don't, I, even, I don't even think they know what it means. So, <laughs> so yeah, but I do. I do notice with some FI users, they notice when I'm not being myself, and I don't even know who myself is. So it's like interesting that they notice that I'm not even being myself before I even know what that is. It's almost like with certain ENFPs. This is anecdotal and applies for some of them. I find that some ENFPs find pride in loving people despite their flaws or or loving them also with their flaws too. So it's almost like I know your flaws and I love it because I love the authentic you as the whole you. And so I find it's the FI way of loving someone, taking in your whole, like loving your authentic self to its entirety. Yeah. I mean, I, I really love that about them, honestly. They are definitely, they may not always be expressing themselves, but they will always be themselves. Mm -hmm. And they very much are protected against the world around them trying to change them into something else when it doesn't jive with their spirit or whatever. And I think they are always, yeah, looking out for allowing other people to be themselves. I feel like they're also constantly worried that they're not, they don't know who they are or they're not being themselves enough, even though they're like the most authentic people around. So it's like this weird conflict in their mind, but I feel like they're, kind of occupied with being in general like just hey just let that person be just let everyone just exist in their natural state and just appreciate them for what they are don't try to change it um so it's definitely definitely a very kind of unique and, and important perspective that's true unless it steps over their values though so then that's another case <laughs> and then you'll know then you'll find out very right tricky. you'll know i mean it's, there's not really yeah there's, there's never any real question about who they are unless they've you know never spoken up before i mean and even then maybe you already kind of know yeah <laughs> well at least if you're an intp or something <laughs> it's called like the fi bear it's almost like they're very calm and very like tranquil until you hit on the the fi value and then the te bear can come out and be like r <laughs> i definitely feel very very fake in comparison that's for sure yeah that's what i mean i love the yeah. authenticity you right. know who you're dealing with there they can be relied on they're predictable with with the odd little hot button but even that becomes predictable right yeah very fond of saying like we're chill until we're not <laughs> <laughs> And then it's off the charts. Yeah, I was like the volcano analogy with FI users, uh, where yeah, it's like very they're usually like quite dormant. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you set them off, <laughs> yeah, it's not the it's not a perfect analogy because volcanoes set themselves off. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's quite something. And like I'm happy to say, and granted, I'm also a nine again, but. You know, I've only I can maybe count on maybe one hand the number of times I've really lost my temper, and I don't mean irritable. I just mean like, like you talk rage. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like I've granted this is when we were dating, but I've I yelled at my 
so this is my wife, but we were we were girl, boyfriend girlfriend at the time. Like I remember one time I not so much like screamed at her, but I snapped at her like and hard and I made her cry and it was awful. And I, I felt like I felt like I was like Brando in streetcar, where it's like just like, oh my God, I'm just like a horrible person after that. Um and it just felt yeah, very yeah, unusual. But yeah, going back to that sense of like having people feel accepted for who they are, it just reminds me of that quote from Goodwill Hunting, where you know Will is like expressing his fears about dating this you know mini driver's character, and you know like well, what if she's not perfect and stuff like that? And, he's, and he basically says, you know, you're not perfect, sport, and let me save you the suspense. This girl, she's not perfect either. But the question is whether or not you're perfect for each other. And even though while I was talking about like one-on-one -on -one intimacy, I think that's just very true of anyone who you want to be friends with or work with, uh, you know, learning to accept each other's imperfections and yeah, celebrate them and holding space for each other that way. It's, uh, it's nice. And so thank you everyone for coming out and describing the NP-ness in- <laughs> You had to do that. That's my, <laughs> what about the other one? There's two types. Oh gosh. What about the S penis? That's okay. That's just as good, right? <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. Thank you everyone for this wonderful chat with the bouncing of ideas with a curiosity and open mindset that you all have to new ideas. I loved this rapid type of banter and tangents that you guys went on, but we had to mute, so it was placated. Um, yeah, we placated your tangents a little bit because of that. But I loved the wild associations and the SI, this reminds me of this thing. All of the NE cool thoughts that you connected these all to as well. I love the thought experimenting you all did together. And so thank you, Paul, for calling me a campfire and making sure you're feeding my love language of words of affirmation. It means a lot to me and your nineness has a lot of warmth and gentleness and care and compassion and it it warms me up. You're the torch to my campfire. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're very, very sweet. <laughs> you. you too. If kindness was a mountain, you'd have the tallest kind mountain. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And Sarah, thanks for being my fellow type six. It's great to talk to you about six things because I typically do not relate to Enneagram sixes unless they're NFs as well. And so you really solidify my Enneagram type. Otherwise, I'm like, am I really a six? Because I don't relate to these other sixes, but I relate to you, Sarah. So you give me a point of grounding with my Enneagram type. And we have deep conversations about the universe together. And you fill up my philosophical and existential cup. You ask the big questions and we get to explore wise together. Back at you. <laughs> I absolutely love those conversations. And thank you for helping me be sane about being a six and not thinking I'm some weird SJ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they're like warm, fuzzy conversations, and sometimes we end up crying after because we're like NFing together. <laughs> yeah, lots of love. <laughs> and Boris, thanks for always poking fun at me and showing us there's more to life. And you show us the laughter that's contained within all of us, even if it's poking at our deepest insecurities. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't make you blush today. I, I think I was pretty well behaved. 
<laughs> Your jokes are really good, though. So if I'm going to be made fun of by someone, I want to be made fun of Boris. Um, and Boris is such a joker that Boris Boris isn't even his real name. He just he just does that to spite another Boris. <laughs> so the, the other Boris within the other Boris within. She's such an fe final closer. Don't you think it's so warm and fuzzy? If this, if you want to know what fe is, it's Joyce saying farewell to their <clears throat> to her participant members, and it's true most of the time what she says most of the time. But it's for one hundred percent of the time that makes you feel good. <laughs> oh, thanks, Boris. With that sketchiness, laden in. <laughs> and Spacey, thanks for coming on these chats and being the INTP that people ask to come on time and time again. You're the high, the most highly requested INTP because people love you. <laughs> I don't know what to do for the. IT types with the compliment section sometimes because I don't know if they like it. So then after a while, I'm like, should probably keep it to a minimum because that's maybe what they like. Yeah, just just grin and bear it. <laughs> <laughs> You're abusing your, your your members. See, it's just terrible. Just so you satisfy your FE and he has to endure all this. Oh my goodness, cushions. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Shit, I had another. Warm, oh. Listen, warm fuzzies are an infinite thing. <laughs> throw them around like that. Total change and cutting into your time. We said something earlier. You said, I noticed INFPs actually, I think from what I've seen, they do like ISTJs, ESTJs. And I think it correlates to TE. There's something really appealing. Shut she up, likes Boris. somebody there. Th Say again? I said, be quiet. Just let us close the video, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when somebody tells me off. Okay. Thanks, Joyce. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Yeah, that's how you can tell someone's an INTP too. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, gosh. But thank you, everyone, for watching. I'll see you all in the next episode. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.